the country deeply moved by uh, Patrice Motsepe yesterday signing a million dollar check um, for for Ebola, fighting Ebola in Guinea. And then there was the 100 million rand donation provided to Wits University yesterday for the advancement of education and training. And those are two examples of philanthropy in action. What we've asked Sheila Gastro to do, um, she is Executive Director of Inyatelo. It's the South African Institute for Advancement. And she's an expert in philanthropy. Uh, give me a handful I know there are probably more than five, Sheila, and I want to get through as many as we can, of probably the greatest philanthropists in South Africa of the latter 20th, early 21st century. And there can be no bigger, I suspect, than Donald Gordon. Would he be the biggest philanthropist so far that we've seen? I'm not sure if he's the biggest philanthropist, but he certainly made some um, very interesting personal philanthropic investments. And I can name two of them. The one is the Gordon Institute of Business Science at the University of Pretoria, which I'm sure anyone living in Johannesburg has driven past at some point. And he also funded the Donald Gordon Medical Center to the tune of 100 million rand. And that was in a partnership with Wits University. So essentially, I think what he was looking at in terms of his vision was establishing two world-class institutions That would produce business and medical leaders in South Africa. And certainly, that has emerged from those two institutions. Now, that's not the only um, philanthropic contributions um, the Donald Gordon Foundation that he set up have made. Um, They cover a whole range of other um, philanthropic um, donations. But these are the two that really stand out. So, yes, he is one of the top philanthropists in the country. Uh, okay, so Donald Gordon goes into the in, into the, those sort of ranks, and of course the Ackerman Foundation. And um, I just have met a number of emerging entrepreneurs who have been gone to the Ackerman Foundation and have received very valuable training and cha- training that has changed their lives. But the Ackermans, I think, have had a, a, a substantial impact on the philanthropic space in South Africa as well. Yes, and it goes back a long way. They um, set up the first family um, education, the Ackerman Family Trust, in about the 1970s. So they were very ahead of their time. Um, One of the things they funded was the Raymond Ackerman Academy of Entrepreneurial Development at UCT's Graduate School of Business. But one of the big things that not a lot of people are aware of, um, Raymond Ackerman, I'm not sure if it was his father or his grandfather, was one of the founding donors for the establishment of the Red Cross War, War Memorial Children's Hospital. Could it have been Gus, his father? It could have been, I I'm think. I'm not absolutely yeah, okay. sure if it's his father grandfather, but this tradition of supporting this hospital um, has remained with the Ackerman family, and they have pumped millions into the upgrading, the refurbishment, the re-equipping of this hospital. And it has become a world-class facility that attracts Um, pediatricians and academics from all over the world. If you go to the Children's Hospital now, you will see um, state-of-the-art operating theatres, and it's the most incredible facility. And what has happened with the Ackerman family is they've invested in this. They've put their philanthropic money into it, and it's created leverage. It's brought others in to enable the hospital um, or the, the hospital trust which is actually the fundraising arm, to achieve their objective.
Uh, it's a, an extraordinary, extraordinary facility um, by, by world standards. The Ruperts, of course, uh, do lots of different things, but they're probably best known for their works with peace parks. And uh, Johan Rupert, very much involved with the peace parks. Yes, I think the concept of the peace parks, and, and it was Anton Rupert yeah. that actually drove this concept, was something utterly unique in the world, where you have trans-frontier conservation areas. Um, it really made people really think about the notion of sovereignty and what borders meant and what was possible across borders. So not only did it create these huge conservation areas, but it, it really created opportunities for thousands and thousands of jobs in local communities and it stretches right across southern africa i mean if you look at who sits on the peace park foundation it's people from mozambique and zambia and lesotho and namibia and as far as malawi and that this um anton rupert passed away and johan rupert has taken over and um, what we know about johan rupert is that he donates his full salary to charity every year and it's in the region of probably close to 40 million rand. Now, Sheila, many people listening to this are going to say, it's all well and good. They can afford it. Um, And should we be heaping praise upon people who are so super rich that they can make these enormous bequests? Um, Or should we be more critical of the way in which perhaps they make their money? Well, I think it's fair to look at both issues. And, you know, I mean, making money... There, there are many questions around many philanthropists as to how they've made their money. But the point is there are many wealthy people who do not give back. And I often ask myself, well, how much does one need to keep within, within the family? And I think it is something when people reach a point where they actually say to themselves, the next, five generations, the next five generations of my family are going to be quite all right if yes, I give away 90% of my wealth. And they are yeah. giving back. And I think they... The wonderful thing about philanthropy is that because it's not government money and government can't take risk, they've got to worry about the voters, this is public money, they can't take risk on it. Corporates also worry about what shareholders will think, what is their good corporate citizenship. They don't want to get involved in risky things. And the huge advantage of philanthropy, I suppose in some ways, is it's not the issue of accountability is not so huge. And philanthropists can take risks. And I'll give you one example. The development of the contraceptive pill was done through philanthropic giving because there wasn't a company in the world that would touch it, <laughs> and nor was there a government in the world that would touch it. And who was behind it? Who, who provided the, I, the I'm seed funding? I'm not sure funding. who they were, but I'm very aware that it was philanthropically funded. And um, there are many, many things. If you think of the environmental movement, the women's movement, these are not things that business and government were going to fund. All that kind of thinking and um, change happened because of philanthropic money. And the yellow, so, line, the yellow lines on roads. Yes, that was done through a particular foundation in the States, and unfortunately I don't know the name. Ah, it's but amazing. They developed, they developed, I'm sure if we look up on the internet we'll find which one it is, but they developed, up to then roads only had the little white line in the middle, and they looked at the issues around road safety, and they they started punting these yellow lines on the sides to define the edges of the roads, and that came from philanthropic money as well. And Cyril Ramaphosa is in politics today, but he, he, he his wealth is tied up in trusts and things, and he's doing a lot of really interesting work in the in the sp- in the space of of education. He's got an adopt a school project, which I think is quite extensive. 
Yes, it's quite interesting because I had a conversation with him when he formed the Adopt a School Foundation, probably in around 2002. And it really started with the school that he attended as a kid, contacting him and asking him. Um, they, they phoned him and said they needed a fax machine. And he went and visited the school, and then he realized there were a whole lot of other you know, other things that were needed. And so he started the Adopt a School Foundation, started funding schools, but he leveraged money. He would often phone other past pupils and say, well, I'm putting this in. What are you going to put in? <laughs> I do like but that he, kind of arm twisting. Yes, it's good. I will see if it comes from him. But, you know, they've worked in... Hundreds of schools now. They've built hundreds and hundreds of school facilities. Um, they train teachers um, in IT and librarianship, and they're making an incredible change within the schools they work in. Uh, and then tell me about a guy called Francois van Niekerk. I've never heard of a guy called Francois van Niekerk, but apparently he has donated hundreds of millions of rand or maybe even a billion rand yes, uh, he, during his he, life. Who's he? Who's he? He's a very interesting person. He received one of our Inotelo Philanthropy Awards. He's the head of a, a group called the Murtech Group. And um, he's a very, very religious Christian. And he made a commitment that if his business was successful, he would invest a huge portion of the company into a charitable foundation, which is what he did. And the value of, the, of that um, shareholding is over a billion rand. So um, he he funds mainly church-based initiatives, but that doesn't mean it's propagation of the faith. It's a lot of um, social programs around children and youth, um, healthcare, HIV/AIDS, and general community development. And it's done in other African countries, in Namibia and Swaziland as well. But he put in over a billion worth of his his shareholding into this foundation. Sheila Gastro, thank you very much. Executive Director of Inyatelo, it's the South African Institute for Advancement. And it is what people do with their money. And you, wouldn't it be nice to have that problem? Oh, there's so much of it. What do we do with it?